0: Sure, yeah, welcome to the Untitled Van Life Project once again. Anyway, Thank you, A- A- Amy, you do the you do the honors, girl. <laughs> <laughs> I like Kusick doing it.
1: I kinda like Kusick doing it too. <laughs> Go for it. You got I think this. You already
0: did it. Uh, I, I did. I said welcome welcome listeners to the Untitled Van Life project where we're gonna talk about the Midnight Gospel. Yeah, I'm, Midnight I, Gospel I, series. I'm not your host, I'm your guest, Alex. <laughs> And here's your host. Alex. That's weird. Alex. Oh, or Cusick, or Q, or uh, Sir Lloyd. I don't know. I'll come Sir up Lloyd. with some new Sir Lloyd.
2: There's a few. I don't think there's any. No host and guest. We're all on the same. No. Plate. We're yeah. We're all equals <laughs> here. Oh. Mhm. All right. Well, I
0: did want. To, I did want to. Uh, Caleb told me to make an apology. I'm just kidding. I'm I'm just just kidding. uh, What is this apology? Oh, on the first podcast, which hasn't even been released, listeners, um, I said something along the lines of, like, we're medicating children too much or something along the lines, which wasn't really a part of the conversation. I had recently listened to a lecture by Jonathan Haidt. So it was just on the mind, jonathan Haidt wrote the righteous mind and and the happiness hypothesis and the coddling of the american mind great writer check him out but i it was fresh on the mind i'm not a doctor or a parent so i shouldn't be commenting on medicating children is all i wanted to say okay but if you're saying but i do let that be i do hold the opinion that that we're medicating children too much in America, but that's all. Yeah. I was about end. to
2: say, what, was that an untruth when you said it? <laughs> when you were like, I apologize for saying we medicate children too much. I'm like, yeah, that sounds pretty good. I
0: sounds guess, it. Good. I guess, well, it's an opinion, but I don't know if it's, I don't know. I, I got like self-conscious the next day. I was like, oh, I don't know. There's too many podcasts. I made a joke that you only have three listeners, though now
2: four. You guys have four listeners now. Four. Thank you. Finally became the fourth listener. Yeah.
0: So as twenty-five percent of your listening population, um, but also as a guest who's neither a doctor or a parent, I don't know. I felt weird about it. That was all.
1: Well, I appreciate you sharing your opinions. Okay.
0: I, we hold a lot of the same opinions, I'm sure, but we'll disagree. You're open to share
1: opinions here.
0: Yeah, but we'll talk about it
2: with love. Either way.
1: Mm-hmm. But today, guess what we're talking about?
2: Not medicine, and mm-hmm. not children. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> we know shit about. No, no very little.
1: <laughs> we are talking about The Midnight Gospel, Episode 2. Episode 2? Episode 2.
0: Indeed. So in
1: this episode, Clancy has Annie Lamott and Raghu Marcus as yes. his... Conversationalists. Indeed. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, also I haven't watched this episode. It's been a little over a week. But I tried to I I took notes this time. Other than last time I didn't take notes. So I tried to keep up with kind of the plot of the visuals. As well as okay. as well as the conversation. Although I'd say the plot on the visuals on this one are very um confusing... Extreme. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean,
1: I kind of... It made sense in some ways, though.
0: Well, not in context with like the conversation.
1: Well, like, they're talking about death, and the whole time... or not the whole time, but, like, for the first few minutes they're, like, leading up to their death. They know it's coming.
2: But then they die.
0: That's true, but then the conversation continues after they die. It's a bit strange. It does.
2: It is, um... Yeah, the first time I watched it through, or the other night, it wasn't the first time. I guess it was our rewatch. Um, I was, I was like, you know what? This, yeah, the visuals <laughs> in the second episode do seem completely separated at first from the, from like the content of the audio. The essentially, what Duncan and. Or
1: the, yeah. Or the Annie and Raghu. Yeah, that's Annie what i was talking
2: about, like almost to a point where yeah, you kind of get lost. And there's actually, I think this episode holds a lot more just like exposition for the show, the show as a whole, rather than like diving into like a deep. Well, yeah, uh, that conversation that,
0: that is very interesting. At the beginning of the episode, oh, the the radio host in uh, Clancy's real world is called the Pyromoth. Uh, which for some reason I liked it, but he was like, "This is the pyro on the ribbon." On the ribbon, this is the pyro moth. On the ribbon, talking on the ribbon. Um, oh, you recently released those Luna moth photos, Brad? Yes, I
2: did. <laughs> see the Luna moth photos I put on my Instagram, <laughs> <laughs> on one of my seven Instagram accounts. Sorry, may-
0: maybe one day we'll talk about Luna moths because I one appeared uh, before me a year later, and I didn't know that. Caleb had seen one like a year before until like two years later. At the same location.
1: The same house. At the same
0: house, yeah. Um, oh but yeah, Clancy's like again he's ignoring the machine maintenance, so we're getting to know a little bit about our character Clancy, that you know, he's enjoying going into these virtual worlds and doing his space cast, but he's not doing the real maintenance to take care of his machine. All his worlds are dying or rebelling. I guess, is what was happening with this world. So, yeah, we're getting a you little bit... looking also learned about how... to Clancy uh, kind of ignoring the real problems, I guess, going <laughs> yeah. around him.
2: And you, we also learned how he got the simulator in the first place. Oh, yeah. borrowing money from Sarah. Sarah, his sister. His, his, sister, his sister, Sarah. Because he wanted to go to all these simulated worlds, uh, interview people, and <laughs> uh, space cast <laughs> and make money pay <laughs> to back. pay her back. Yes. That is the cycle of capitalism.
0: Uh, yeah. And, wait, did... Is it this episode that he, like, has a voicemail from her, though, and she's trying... No. To... Okay, that was a different episode. Never mind. Okay. That's not this episode. We're, we might not be that far ahead. That's right. He just says that quickly into the mic. He's just like, and to my sister, Sarah, who told me, don't buy SpaceCast, or, uh, mm-hmm. whatever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, whatever the machine is called. Um... So the conversation itself, though, when they're talking to Annie and Ragu, I guess, <laughs> well, yeah, it starts with, like, clown babies. He goes... Yeah,
2: can, you said you took notes on the story. Can you explain that? Well... Can you break it down for me? It is hard to follow. Well,
0: the story... Visually. So, visually, I'm not sure what the correlation between the clown babies the deer dogs these grown these grown-up clowns that seem to be calling themselves the worms in a song there's a little song montage thing that happens well, i thought that it's like, was
1: kind of like a a callback to in the beginning of the episode where
0: oh right he's
1: talking with annie about death uh, and death. they talk about like he remembers as a child like the songs about death that had to do with worms. That's
0: right. That's right. And he's like, yes. "You guys don't know this one." Continue.
1: Yeah, he starts singing it, he and like no one picks up on it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
2: there's a lot of random stuff like that in this episode where it's like they'll be in the middle of this deep conversation, and then. Oh
0: yeah, <laughs> that was another thing. I literally think the whole this uh, there's a little there's some bathroom humor in this episode, and I literally think it's because in the podcast at some point in the middle of the podcast, Duncan Trussell was probably literally like, "Hey, I need to take a shit." And they like took a break in the yes, podcast, it it. but they incorporate that into the visual animated uh, storyline as well. It's very strange and awkward. It's funny, but uh, but yeah, the I guess the visual story once again, kind of like with the first episode, on this one doesn't matter as much. There are little uh, breadcrumbs of things that connect and are fun, but uh, yeah, I'm also like confused about. The conversation continuing after they're chopped up. I just don't know the rules of the world. I don't think it matters the rules <laughs> yeah. of the, the rules of the world though.
1: There aren't any. But we do find well, out it feels
2: like they're living some kind of weird life cycle for I don't know I don't know. It's a weird episode. Go it's... watch it and figure it out and tell us what yeah. you
0: learned. Tell us tell us what happens, dear uh, listeners.
2: Yeah.
1: Well, let's talk about the audio then. Let's talk about it. <laughs> okay, yes, yes. We've yeah.
2: gotten the visual parts out of the
1: way. Yeah. Cusick, what notes did you have on the audio?
0: Um, let's see. Well, there was... Uh, uh, Annie was... Uh, she's a writer. Um, I don't know. I didn't... I think I did briefly look up uh, Annie Lemo and... Or is it Lamao? How do you pronounce the last name?
1: I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Okay,
0: Lamont and, and Raghu Marcus. I only briefly looked them up. Um, although I found out Ragu Marcus was recently back on Duncan Trussell's podcast and he runs Ram Dass' Thingamajig, which we talked about before recording. Anyway, uh, so go check him out. Go check out Ragu Marcus. But uh, as far as the audio, uh, Annie talking about anti or they start talking about comedians and writers and I guess any artist and the idea that uh, going through some sort of therapeutic process will not be able they won't be able to do their art anymore and this being like mm-hmm. a, f- a fear uh, that a lot of artists have okay, um, the, the misery yes uh, I want us I want to say I can't remember who I think it was. Duncan says, like uh, he was like, there's nothing more satanic than um, like thinking if you get help, then the thing you enjoy doing the most will no longer be will make satanic. you miserable or something something along yeah. those lines. Something along those lines. Um,
1: so as someone, I mean, for those of you who don't know Cusick. He's very,
2: uh
1: musically talented.
2: <laughs> yeah. the pause could have led so many places. It could have. I wanted people's minds to wonder for a second. Could have. Used... so
1: someone who is very creative in the musical realm. Have you had those thoughts or feelings before?
0: Uh, not not with music, I guess. Although I will say music, um, my, my most fond. Moments of playing music, uh, we're kind of in these, um, uh, well, what people would just call jams with friends. Uh, sometimes alcohol or marijuana might have been involved, but you know, just getting on an instrument and not thinking too much. Um, but I, I don't know. I I think part of yeah, part of enjoying music was just kind of getting lost lost in it. I don't think there was any issue um, that they were talking about. But as far as a fan of comedy and someone that did a little bit of
2: uh, open mics for a little while... Yeah, he's a comic don't worry, too, I Amy. Not just musically talented. Stand-up oh, I'm, comic. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not a stand-up comic at
0: all. But uh, but I will say... like. I think for some comedians they see stand-up as their therapy and certain writers see writing as their therapy and I think it can be it can be that for them and they can find uh, a way to be both funny or interesting or tell an interesting narrative and have it be a a therapeutic process simultaneously Uh, but I think there are other uh, artistic people that potentially use it as a way to avoid dealing with the things that they need to deal with the most. You know, sometimes that which you're searching for most is lurking where you want to search least, and uh, that's intimidating to people.
2: Or where you're already, already at, in Santiago's case, in The Alchemist, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. What yeah. he was searching for was right where he was.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That's, I haven't read The Alchemist in a very long time, but but yes, I'm gonna assume you're making a correct. I think the parallel. omens are
1: leading you to reread it.
0: I yeah, we should re- I should reread that. and We can talk about The Alchemist and Santiago's now. The name of your van.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Caleb. What about you? Have you ever had like a fear that if you, I don't know, if you were too happy or you were like really enjoying yourself, that like any creative outlet you had used in the past would, like, stop happening?
2: Yeah, I've been thinking about it because I think this is the main thing that stuck out to me from the whole um, episode and throughout their conversations. I know they, they start with talking about death, right? Mm-hmm. And then they kind of get, just, like, very briefly, though. It's almost like just they have little mentions here and there of things. Um, and then she starts talking about, yeah, this... Uh, aspect of like needing misery (laughs) in order to be happy which is (laughs) i feel like the simplest form of it it's like we are now in mindsets where it's like we need uh some kind of misery in order to keep on going which keeping on going is what's making us happy um uh, in a way yeah i think it's really easy for i mean i think the main culprits are alcohol and drugs um, right. I think alcohol especially is easy to latch on to for people uh, like creatives like musicians and stuff because it's always kind of viewed as like downtrodden in, in society though everyone does it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's an, oh <laughs> Almost. I think
1: it's viewed as a very like social it's just very socially accepted.
2: Socially accepted but it's also everyone's like thorn in the flesh. Well, I drink too much. And I feel like that's where it comes from. It's like we need the misery like yes you enjoy drinking it brings you happiness but you also need the dark edge of like well it's also probably something I shouldn't be doing, or you have this like deep-seated regret somewhere inside you that what that when you drink alcohol, though it's making you happy, it's not like complete happy because there's this double edge to it. Um, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. It does. Yes. Yeah. I don't know what your question was, <laughs> dude. Have I ever had anything like that? Well, like, have you life?
1: had? What I was asking is like, have you had the fear that like if you didn't have any sort of, like, misery part of your life that mm-hmm. your creative juices would stop flowing. Or, like, you wouldn't... Be, if you're too happy, you wouldn't be able to express yourself creatively. Like, I know... I feel like Annie talks about... Um, she was scared that she wouldn't be a good writer anymore it right. was, if she stopped drinking. Right. Because she yeah. didn't have all that, that like, dark side or the misery piece of it.
2: You know, I don't know. I, I think that worry's there. Like, I know... I think uh, one way I connect with, like, everything I create, there's kind of, like, a, a dark weirdness to it. <laughs> I don't know how to describe <laughs> it. But, um, like, I like exploring aspects of, like, death and shadows and darkness. And, yeah, sometimes I feel like it I, – I don't know if it's, like, connect to that because I need to connect to that. Like, that is my misery, being able to, like, get my mental state that way – I don't know where I'm going with this, honestly, Uh, but it's a tough question. I've one that I think, yeah, it's just hard to answer.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, I think one thing that is interesting about your style, if I may comment on such a thing. Yeah, go for it. Because I'm still
2: trying to figure that out, so comment.
0: um, Well, yeah, well, that that is an interesting thing about artists is sometimes, you know, what they're conveying is more on a subconscious level than a conscious level. But um, I do think uh, you're playing with shadows and a lot of uh, uh, dark stuff I don't know there is also the whole um, idea that if you if you don't have the darkness then you don't have the light simultaneously yeah. like well you...
2: I feel like it's the complete experience exactly well happened. exactly
0: exactly that's that's where I was diverging but there was also something that Annie said I think as far as um, dealing with <clears throat> Uh, getting over her alcoholism and then getting back into writing uh, she was like you know even if um, even if I am no longer a good writer after I quit drinking it's like you need to be willing to do something badly which I think I thought about you guys a lot when it comes (laughs) when it comes to thinking about doing something badly? No, not not that you do something badly but the whole um, be willing to do something uh crazy uh even if you do it badly and like the the idea that in order to become a master of anything you have to start as a as a fool essentially um and so yeah you guys going into van life it's like really exciting I'm, I'm a little jealous of you guys sometimes sounds pretty awesome but uh but the fact that you guys just like went into it and you're just like it doesn't matter if you guys do van life badly at first. The idea is you're doing it. It's a part of, like, mm-hmm. um, wh- whether you want to call it an, an artistic uh, journey or decision, much like Annie talking about writing, or just a lifestyle decision. Uh, I think more people are becoming, I guess, scared of taking risks. And Annie was just like, if there's anything I can tell people, and I guess, like, other artists... Uh, is like be willing to do something badly, and even if you end up stopping drinking or whatever it is, and you feel like that's gonna hurt your art, keep doing your art anyway, and always be willing to do it badly, because that's also the only way you'll ever get better at doing it. Is mm-hmm. to to do it in general.
2: Yeah, that's true. I feel like it reminds me of what we talked about uh, on the episode one about meditation. It's like you don't can't you can't meditate badly, you know? Does that Yes. Sense? Yeah. You, mm-hmm. It's like you either meditate or you don't meditate. Exactly. There's no like, yeah.
1: It is yeah. though. Once you start like labeling it, it's like that was a good meditation or that was a yes. bad meditation. Yeah. Or that was a good book that I wrote and that was a bad book. Or I that wrote. was a good yeah.
2: drug, or that was a bad, bad drug. Exactly. <laughs>
1: but it's just kind of like once you start labeling things in those ways, it I feel like it yeah it kind of messes with you more and makes you um, less willing to take risks, like you were talking about
0: yeah um Amy what did what did you think of the um or wait hold on I'm looking at my notes real quick here oh uh I think it was Ragu Marcus said that Ram Das, uh the first time he met him uh was uh he was like how do I meditate since we're talking about meditation and uh, he goes, meditate like Christ on the cross. Mm-hmm. Um, which they kind of go into some of that. But uh, I don't know. What's, what was your reaction to that in the conversation of the episode?
1: I mean, Ram Dass never, like, I never know what to expect what's going to come out of his mouth anytime I hear read or, like, listen to him. Like, I feel like everything he responds with kind of it hits you you're like whoa that's not what I was expecting and then you just kind of have to like let it settle and sit with it a little bit so to answer your question that is not I don't know that answer I was just kind of like whoa Whoa. that's not what I was expecting to hear okay meditate like Christ did on the cross I just I'd never I think I'm still kind of sitting with that but I'd never like pieced those two things together Meditation and Jesus dying on the cross. I'd never oh, okay. like yeah. let I'd never let those two ideas exist together. Um, I think just anytime I thought of Christ on the cross, it was it's like hard and like uncomfortable. Yeah. To think about.
0: Well, it's I mean it's a part of the Christian Mythos narrative, and it's I don't know when you think about it just in that story context, it's like uh, oh, you know, he went through the worst pain and suffering death, even though he was innocent, um, which I th- I think Ragu kind of. Goes on to say, like the idea of meditate, or maybe all of them are kind of talking about it because this is when I think they're all getting chopped up and they're all kind of talking over themselves. They're like, yeah, like yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, the the idea that even though he was suffering, he was loving everyone in the universe or something. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, when you think of Christ on the cross, I guess in the old Christian perspective, it's just like. Uh, well, medit like I think I said in episode one, I was literally taught that meditation was not a good thing. It was a bad thing to practice when I was young, because um, meditation could open up your mind uh, to um, to demonic forces taking over you. That's something I was told in young younger years. So the idea of Christ being a meditator. Um, At least uh, where I grew up, those two wouldn't go together. I think now more people are willing to, I guess, uh, consider maybe prayer as a form of meditation or meditation Mm -hmm. as a form of prayer. I think Mm -hmm. more people are kind of talking in that way nowadays or I don't know if more I people.
1: would u- I would use those words interchangeably
0: yeah and I, I actually think um, mm-hmm. uh, what was it Mother Teresa had a really good quote about prayer that I am actually, trying was... to remember off the top of my head uh, I think she said I I used I used to believe prayer could change things I still believe in the power of prayer, but I now realize that prayer doesn't change things. It changes the person praying, and that person can change things. And so she was saying <laughs> that
2: yeah, that's a great one.
0: Prayer, prayer is a form of meditating on evolving the self so that you can yes. make the yes. change in the world that you wish to see. I believe that's a Gandhi mm-hmm. quote, not a Mother Teresa quote. But, you know, why not mix the two?
1: Gandhi quote is, be the change you wish to see in the world.
0: That was Gandhi? Word for
1: word. That's the Gandhi quote. But going back to what you said about, or like bringing about this idea of like how do you meditate? Meditate like Christ on the cross. I think, I don't know, that's a big piece of that story, that Christian story that was missing for me. Like the idea of Jesus on the cross, like I said earlier, was just so hard and uncomfortable for me to like process and sit with. Because right. I feel like it was always presented with such, like, uh, I mean, it was presented with such, like, harshness, like, I don't know, such, like, harshness and, like, look at how much he suffered. It
2: was like, look at his sacrifice. It was
1: like, look at his sacrifice, look at oh, how much yeah. he suffered because he loved you so much. And I didn't ever really connect with, like, the guilt there. Like, I could see how that could bring about some guilt. Sure. I don't really feel like I connected with that because I don't even feel like I connected with what people were saying when they were saying like look at how much he sacrificed for you because he loved you so much like look at that pain that's for you that is love I was that never resonated with me so hearing this statement of like meditate like Christ on the cross that resonates with me a little bit more
0: yeah and uh I to be honest I think well oh man I'm gonna go into full blasphemy uh here but I I do think Ram Das saying meditate like Christ on the cross growing up uh, I have dog hair (laughs) Um, don't we all (laughs) growing up I think there was the idea was you you worship Christ who did this thing and I think Ram Das did uh what he says is, I think, what Jesus' intentions were actually were, which was to emulate Christ, not worship Christ, because, oh, look what he did for you, and, oh, look at the mm-hmm. sacrifice he made, because um, he was loving the universe while he was going through suffering. But Ram Dass is like, no, that's what we're all supposed to do. We're all supposed to pick up our mm-hmm. own cross and follow Christ, right? And what... there's,
1: there's so much more beauty in that, like, I feel like that's the whole story. Like, yeah. there's so much more beauty in that well-rounded, and like, it just feels more well-rounded than just this, like, just the suffering so sacrifice. you upset piece.
2: at the like how the story was presented, to you, I guess, or not? You're, you didn't get a complete picture.
1: I feel like I didn't connect with it because I wasn't getting the complete picture. Yeah. Well, so I also come
2: to the fact that he was meditating. Yes. Because he Be read. Right. Yes. Yeah. Well, I liked. The, I liked what you. Q, you say Cusick about I think I feel like what I took away from them connecting uh, meditation with you know how Jesus Jesus dying on the cross is uh, what you said it's like at that point every aspect of who Jesus's being was was just pure love like it was pure selflessness um, and I feel like that's kind of almost the goal of meditation so you just become a pure love to everyone yeah, a pure, and every, a pure vessel of love, and that's what Jesus on the cross had like completely embodied. That
0: yeah, and that's why um, in uh, in the Buddha mythos, why he comes back after he reaches enlightenment, essentially, um, which he doesn't reach enlightenment until very old age. But when he does, you know, he he could have stayed there, but he decides to come back because he's like, my mission is to help everyone become more enlightened, uh, because. I guess true nirvana can't be uh can't exist until everyone is enlightened, even though an individual could perhaps reach uh nirvana um I forget the bigger point that I was making there, but that was my initial response so <laughs> there we go well
1: i I mean I think that's I like how you brought that up because I loved this is i guess going off of that then Annie starts talking about (laughs) how we need like kind of how we can be there for each other and help each other and she mentions how when Jesus was on the cross like God God was with him the whole time Mm -hmm. and she brings up that story about the little girl who has trouble sleeping and the mom is like oh Jesus is here to protect you and the little girl's like yeah but I need Jesus to have skin skin yeah (laughs) And just, I don't know, kind of bringing up this idea of like I think it just brings up this idea of like connectedness and community and us walking through this life hand in hand and together and I just really like that they brought that into the conversation.
0: Yeah, so, sometimes you need the sangha which would be the at least in the Buddhism the community. Like, I I, I guess I do kind of Uh, in the past few years trying to reconstruct um, the Christian uh, upbringing that I was brought up in Um, trying to that I actually now kind of like the idea of the Holy Spirit when initially I was just like
2: what the fuck is that
0: what the fuck (laughs) is the Holy Spirit supposed to be
2: but uh the idea no one had an answer for it either they're like oh i don't know another part of god yeah it's part of the trinity <laughs> part, music part duh. The trinity. i actually yeah spirit. i remember i actually remember asking questions about
0: the holy spirit at your church's church camp caleb and oh yo we did not very... talk about the
2: holy spirit at our church's church camp it was like
0: yeah uh, i was i was immediately labeled
2: like an oddball freedom. you start talking about the spirit it's like oh you're not a church in christ <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs>
0: Fair enough, uh, but, uh... oh, yeah, I I kind of now do like the idea of, because sometimes you are going to be alone, and, you know, the ideas of, like, if you're, if you pray to something, you know, like, when people are in a panic situation, and they're just like, God, if you get me out of this, I'll, I'll you know, I'll
1: worship you forever.
0: I'll go to church or whatever, you know, whatever their bargaining thing is. Um, which that's not why I like the idea of the Holy Spirit. But I guess uh, <laughs> as far as the story with the little girl needing, needing someone with skin on and the mother's response is like, you know, oh, Jesus is watching over you. I guess I was brought up in a context where it's like, oh, the Holy Spirit's looking over you. You know that's always around and i don't think that like i actually think that's not necessarily a bad thing to tell kids because sometimes kids are going to be in this it's not informed it's not scientific or anything but it's like sometimes kids are going to be alone and scared and maybe it is good that they um feel that there is some sort of warm presence in the universe that looks after them i guess
1: kuzik we weren't going to talk about kids this time Oh, that's right. Just that's, no, don't tell them the Holy Spirit. Yeah, that, that's true. If
0: if your kids don't believe in the Holy Spirit, I would say you should medicate all of them. Um,
1: well, I mean, I feel like that's something I'm having to trust in now, way more than ever. Oh, it's just like trusting the, the
0: spirit trusting of the, the universe.
2: That,
1: mm-hmm. Yeah. Trusting the idea that the spirit of the universe is working for me and with me and not against me.
0: Yeah. I think
2: oh. the, Never mind. Sorry. Uh, I was just Caleb. gonna say, well, I, I mean, since we've been talking a lot about Jesus, I think the whole point of like the Christian story's been skewed because Jesus, we're talking about meditating in love, he came to like show us how to live and we as people just were like, No, let's just put him up on a pedestal and worship his life. He, we don't yeah. actually have to live. in he's like, No, that's the complete opposite yeah, of what just, I'm trying to yeah. tell you. He's like don't was, worship my life. Be my life. Be, Be my life. This. Be exactly. love. Be yes. pure love. And we're like, nah. We'll just worship your life because that's easier on us. But the, <laughs> the thing is, like, you sit here
1: and think about that. Like, that's the whole reason he was sent down here, right? Like, God was like, I want to show these people like how to like how to live in love. What that actually yeah. looks like, you know. God was like sharing that message through people, like through his prophets and things like that. But he was like, I think they need an example, a physical example. So he literally sent Jesus down here. To show us that, and yeah, you're right, Caleb. Everyone's just like, uh, we'll
2: just worship. Why well, like, worship oh, that? One guy did it. He was great. Let's just yeah. let's just praise him. <laughs> so, yeah. Side note: uh, gays are going to hell. Yeah.
0: You
2: know. Like I know he told <laughs> I know he told us to do this stuff, but I know Jesus. I
0: know Jesus never said gays are going to hell, but I'm just I'm trying to be the modern day church in a audible form.
2: <laughs> oh. Oh, the church is
0: getting I'm a little sorry, better guys. on that. Sorry, guys. Just how no, I just
1: knocked my microphone with my um my mug.
0: Oh, <laughs> I thought you were. A- <laughs> <laughs> Never mind.
1: I'm not apologizing for you. No. Okay. Yeah. It's just, I, you know, I it's just really apologize. hard for
2: me. Even in the context, they do mention, you know, you know, being like Christ or certain aspects of Jesus in this episode, and that's always just kind of like a roadblock for me. It's hard to. It's hard for me to grasp any kind of relation to the Christian story, um, like in that context. So yeah. Do you think any, I think it's just so. It's like it's just so skewed. Well, does so. Anything,
1: so anytime anyone says something that like relates to the Christian story, maybe it's like a phrase that you heard a lot growing up. Does it kind of? Is it like a trigger that just kind of you turn off?
2: Like be like like be, like, like, be
1: like Christ. I feel like it's something we heard probably a lot. It's just, up. it comes
2: with <laughs> so much, like, weight to it. It's like, you know, even yeah. when we mentioned Jesus meditating on the cross, it's like, already in this podcast, we've had to break down the whole damn story to, like, get to this context of what the Christian story is, basically. If you mention Jesus, you have to go through the whole Christian story, and, like, going through that story, it's just, like, there's so much untruth in that.
0: And well, I don't think you have to go through the story, but I think if you don't go through the story, a lot of people hear Jesus and their mind immediately goes somewhere.
2: No, yeah, exactly. No matter I mean, what. Everyone, it's it's both scenarios.
1: When you hear these words like Jesus, God, prayer,
2: meditate, I f- they're I mean, so
1: loaded and everyone yeah. kind of brings their they bring their own experience. They bring their growing up, they bring all oh, their yeah. past experiences in those words.
0: Well, yeah, th- and, I think like, there are
1: not many there are not many words in the English language. I think that hold as much weight as those words because, I mean, yeah, those words carry a lot. They carry a lot of old stories. They carry a lot of things that you thought were true that aren't, or maybe things that you thought weren't true that are. It carries a lot.
0: Yeah, it carries it carries childhood traumas
2: for probably yeah. most yes. of us, but it also See, the adulthood traumas.
1: But <laughs> but that's why but, I think it's so it, interesting to talk yeah. with and sit with people who those words don't carry a lot of weight. for, Like, they don't carry mm-hmm. a ton of trauma or a oh, ton yeah. of preconceived or, like, brainwashed-style ideas. Like, yeah. it's people who discovered these words on their own. I think it's so interesting to sit and listen to people from that perspective.
0: Oh, yeah. Because, uh, yeah, all three of us grew up with it, and there definitely is wisdom in the book. Like... I'm not here to completely uh, shit on the Bible,
2: although at times no, I totally. will. I, I mean, like, dude, if everyone could actually just live like Jesus, how much better would oh, <laughs> yeah. the world be? Yeah, you know, there's so much wisdom and love and good messages in there. It's just buried in a heap load of shit.
1: But that's the thing: if you just approach it as teachings, you approach Jesus as. A guy who walked the earth and lived this way And taught these things You're like yeah I vibe with that I mean this is a very like Very shallow way to put it But kind of like yeah I vibe with that Like I like those teachings Those are things I want to incorporate into my life Indeed I mean I feel like that's I I feel that way now I
2: remember Mr. Parham I think it was Mr. Parham used to always say He's like if you don't believe Jesus is also divinity Then you should think he's a crazy person and I thought that was completely missing the point on his part. Yeah, I don't know where that came. I, from. Does that make I, sense? I, but he was just saying, no, like Jesus just, is walking around telling people he's God, and if like and then also telling you to love other people. And he's like, you can't, he's like, if, you, if, like, he's telling you you're God and you don't believe that, that well, dude is a crazy person.
0: Jesus, I don't think, actually ever directly said he's God. He said he's the son of God, and we could all True. argue that we are sons and daughters of God. Mm-hmm. So that, that goes back to my, uh, I think we're meant to emulate him, not worship him. And I do think it's funny. I think, yeah. uh, at least for the churches that, well, I don't know so much about yours, Amy, but the church, me and Caleb grew up in. Uh, when I think of think Bible of stories, church. yeah, I think of, uh, you know, Jesus getting in, or the the Pharisees of his day trying to, like, get him into a bind by being like, well, how many steps have you taken on the Sabbath? And Jesus is like, yo, dude, I just want to eat some wheat, bro. And stuff like that. Anyway, I think uh, I think a lot of modern day churches have modern-day Pharisees. Like, if we were to see a second coming of Jesus, they would just be like, who's this punk-ass kid thinking he knows what he's talking about? Because that's how they acted with Jesus in Jesus' day. Um, and maybe, maybe we'll never get it, the human race. Uh, that's fine. I mean, I also think we evolved from apes, essentially, and I, I think religious stories are just... Um, interesting psychological mythos mythology. that have <laughs> transmitted through cultures and it's, I don't know. Uh, so so I, I also have a lot of criticisms, of course. But uh, yeah, I, th- I think a lot of churches function as modern day Pharisees and they are just too blind to see that they've like completely lost the way of emulating christ rather than just worshiping christ and worshiping the pillars of the church yeah yeah yep yep yeah that's it yep all right well
1: uh, i want to talk about okay they talk about this like very a little bit in the beginning and i wish they had like gone on it more but they talk about death so let's talk about death
0: well, almost every episode talks about death.
2: <laughs> yeah, I feel like I'm, the show is essentially. A, I
1: mean, that does that is a theme that like continues to run through. But this was like I feel like the first like, hey, we're going to talk about death.
2: That is Here's true. I, uh, Annie felt like she was even like called upon or summoned mm-hmm. in her words oh, and right. like a lot of roles in life is because she's dealt with a lot of death in her life firsthand. So she was like, yeah, I'm always kind of one of the first people to be summoned on uh, when there's death around me or death in people's lives. Like they call on me because I've dealt with it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Well Amy Do you think you've dealt with <laughs> <laughs> since you since you brought it up, um I guess yeah the fact that uh annie is kind of a facilitator of death right i guess what is wh- in, the, in the in the same way oh excuse me i just burped um in the same way that if someone you were talking about how someone brings up god or jesus that those are loaded mm. um annie uh you know talks about how the concept of even talking about death especially in the 70s and the 80s when she was growing up was loaded but uh, at least right now, what's your relationship with death? I don't know. Do you have close family and friends, or is it something you've been able to avoid? Because death is also loaded, much
2: as Christ is yes, loaded. Yes, it
1: is. Death is something that I have been able to avoid up to this point in my life. Well,
2: you're alive?
1: Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> I she have eaten death alive. every day for over 29 death. years. It's avocados, well, I mean, everybody. It even at...
2: And I've avoided death for 31 today. Officially. Suck it. Well oh, that's to right. <laughs> to the day. <laughs> to the day.
1: No, it's something that has not been a presence in my life at all. And honestly, until recently, it's something I was very, very scared of. And I do still think, like, I don't think all fear has been eradicated around that for me. Um, but I would say the fear for me more sits in like other people dying as opposed to myself. Yeah. But also at the same time, I would say within the last like two or three years, I have come to almost like I was talking about earlier with that full circle piece with Christ on the cross. Like I've come to see the beauty of death yes. and that wasn't through, like I said, I have not no one super, super close to me has passed away that suddenly or anything tragic most deaths that have occurred in my life have been natural and people just getting old mm-hmm. um so i'm come this is the perspective i'm coming from um but i have realized over the last like two or three years i've had experiences where i have just been able to like see and feel other people's spirits when they were not physically with me not that they were dead but just like we weren't together physically and I feel like that has opened this doorway for me of like what a beautiful experience that can be once someone passes away their spirit still living on and being able to like interact with it even once their flesh is physically gone that new piece, that piece has been new that I've experienced um, once again not with someone actually dying because I know there is like a lot of grief that you have to move through obviously first or whenever I don't know her grief hits at crazy times but I have had that experience of feeling someone's presence when they are not there feeling their spirit and I think that being able to realize that makes death a lot less scary
0: well since you guys can just hang out with my spirit you want to play some switch <laughs> I'm totally down with that I will we... yeah Let's do that. <laughs> well, so, 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 sorry, I wasn't, just I, wasn't, I, I wasn't trying to cut off your point there, Amy. But, Isn't uh, that what the internet uh, is?
2: Anyways, if we want to play Switch, it's just the spirit that will connect us.
0: Yeah. Well, that is actually, well, uh, now I feel like I'm taking a left turn that I didn't mean to take. But I, I think it was on the last <laughs> podcast, or maybe two, you actually said you have been playing the Switch. And I know in the second podcast you had crit- critiqued Caleb... For having two systems in a van.
1: Oh yeah, um, no, which, I love the Switch.
0: Which uh, even I will critique having two systems in a van, uh, <laughs> as much as I love yeah, the games. Yeah, critique how many
2: games you have on your systems. You I know, Let's I know. Critique that. I
0: know, <laughs> you're you are so welcome to criticize me. But uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, the Switch. Uh, <laughs> well, I don't I. I, now I want to ask you a question about the switch, but we were just talking about de- death. I don't want to. I don't want to uh, alter the subject too much. Uh, I think that's too much of a of a subject subject shift. So, Caleb, what is your relation with death, and not the switch? We'll not get to the. the switch.
2: They're, we'll, pretty, they're the same. We'll I'm get. Sure. We'll, we
0: can get to your relationship with the switch after your relationship with death.
2: Well, I should have. Uh, I'm much more connected to death I'm playing the switch because I've killed a lot more things in <laughs> the switch world than I have in the real life um, and same with experiencing death too I haven't really kind of what you were saying I mean I haven't experienced a lot of physical death but I don't that feels like it's always like a, a stepping stone to like understanding death or like how it's perceived in our culture and I don't think that's necessarily the case or th- I don't think it has to be you don't have to experience a lot of death around you to still grasp Death. Um, I think I've experienced some extreme relational death, um, which I think is uh, very similar. The death of um, anything, I feel that's like, once you grasp it. It's like the death of anything, the loss of it, like time moves on, life moves on, um, things end. This moment dies, essentially, and the next moment starts. Um, so I haven't been around it a lot physically um, with just people I know dying. Um, so maybe I still feel naive in that. Maybe have a lot to learn and I think there is a lot to learn but I'm not afraid of it I think it's just gonna happen it's almost like the one guarantee of life is that you're gonna die and I think once I really came to grasp of that it's like well then (laughs) you know the in-between is what you have control over well I think that's eventually
1: the point point Annie gets to is like once you accept that death happens then you're free
2: but how yeah. do we not, as, I guess, like, why don't we start there? How does, like, I guess it's another message, I think, that gets so misconstrued throughout all these um, religions and just mythologies of, like, well, death isn't actually the end, even though there's no more skin. Even though that girl, you know, she, she misses you, she can't touch your skin. And it's, it's like, it's just, I don't know where I was going with that.
0: <laughs> well, no, you did have an interesting point, though, about... Um... Uh, the idea of growth and I guess loss, or well, I guess the idea is essentially that growth always yeah, has loss. Um, yeah, and and mm-hmm. so you know because you're as life inevitably changes and it will, like you're gonna lose familiar familiarity with some things, um, or yeah, you you know you have to move into the unfamiliar at least at some points in your life, um, which I know we were. East- earlier talking about you know taking risk and uh being willing to do something badly um but yeah I, growth is always loss and i think with all loss there is the opportunity for growth and so uh that was my way of saying yeah with death i think there's a lot i i mean i'm kind of in a similar boat with you guys i've had dealings with death but most of them have been pretty you know i mean most of my grandparents are dead at this point but most of them are like older age more to be expected deaths um there you know i did know some people not super well younger um at like church or school that might have died but they weren't people that we were close to or i was close to but yeah, I do. I do think when it comes to trying to handle thinking about death, because um, a lot of people do get anxious around it. But like you said, it's the one thing that we all like. It's inevitable. It's one hundred percent guarantee. Uh, oh, but and so, it's funny that all my money. I'm gonna die. It, yeah, yeah, <laughs> With it's all my money. I don't have. But it's funny that it's such a taboo subject. Death is a taboo subject. Um, but it's I feel like there's something from that death essentially is well, it illuminates the 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 miracle that is life in its in its
2: in a strange mm. way. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's it. I think you can't have life without death and the acceptance of like they are the yin and the yang, the balance of your force.
1: I think that's that beauty piece that's missing when we get taught about death.
0: Yeah. Yes.
1: Like that beauty piece of you can't have life without death. Mm-hmm. The Yin and the Yang. Kind of like I was saying earlier to the realizing that. I mean, we are. I believe that like we all are spirits. We all have like an essence within us, and that that doesn't die. So when our flesh does die, like that still lives on. And being able to, like, be connected with that and feel that and experience that brings some beauty to that cycle, the cycle of life.
2: So how would you tell other people to experience that? If Like, you know, if they were, like, wanting that experience of feeling people's spirits that aren't here anymore. How do you experience that? How do you feel so connected to that?
1: That's a great question. I mean, I don't think there's, like, a checklist on, like, do the, do these three things and you'll get to this point or do this and you'll feel this way. I think it's kind of, I think it just starts with being open to that idea and then finding things that connect and tap in, that you can tap into within yourself, within nature around you. I mean, I've discovered it, I think, just on my own inner journey of, Myself, Mm -hmm. but I think the first step to that is just being open to it and like having that idea in your mind.
2: I like that. Yeah, I like it. Um, Being open to anything is like the. (laughs) But I do also want to say that
1: I, like I said, I don't have much um, experience with death of physical people. That I'm really close to my life and I don't want to undermine or I know that grief is a very it can be a very heavy and hard thing to move through and I know that 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 grieving is part of the process of dealing with death I think and I know that there's a lot of sadness and maybe even anger that can come around that and I think it's all, um, it's all okay. It's all allowed. It's part of the process. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I kind of wanted to throw that piece in there too.
0: Oh yeah, no, I think having kind of like what which... we were talking about
1: earlier, the dark, how darkness and light,
0: mm-hmm. you oh, know, you go together. To know.
1: Like there's gonna, there are gonna be really, I know, and I'm sure there are super, super dark parts to death, and there are also light, beautiful parts to it,
2: too. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, if you were to die before me, even later, like, I would be extremely sad. Mm -hmm. But I also feel like I still see death as for what it is. It's like that was an essential part of life. Maybe, you know, time is just a made-up construct of our humanity. You know, you're going to die at some point. I don't see it as, like, dying on a line. You're more dying around the circle. Did Mm -hmm. you die at what part of the circle did you disappear on mm-hmm. yeah so but yeah but at the same time yes I do like you know even in I think the closest death to me would have been my grandfather and I just remember being horribly sad for mm-hmm. a long yeah. time and I mean even still with the relational what I'm calling deaths of my parents or the relationship with their I feel like I'm still grieving from that yeah, yeah I think yeah grief comes with loss mm-hmm
0: yeah, and I think, in general, uh, there, it's hard to find good conversations about grief, and we probably are not the people to find uh, expert yeah. expert conversations about it. But, um, no, I do think that's something that's, that's one of those kind of like, oh, grief com- normally comes with death or loss, so it's already uh, enshrouded in this kind of taboo subject, and then, you know, people, everyone... Uh, that has to go through grief, you know, they might struggle with like, oh, are these feelings, uh... well, the the part of that process in general, I think, um, is hard for people, but that's all, it's it's a form of baptism, I guess. Um, Mm. I I use the term, I like to use, because I grew up in a uh, Christian, uh, Environment. I like using the word baptism for just life events in general. Um, I like that. But I, one thing that we were kind of implying is that life and death, I don't remember where I heard this, life and death are like opposites. And uh, I remember hearing from somewhere that the actual opposite of death is birth, and the opposite of life is essentially just lifelessness, which you can do while you're alive. You can mm-hmm. be lifeless. Mm-hmm while being alive, and that's the opposite of life. Um, and, but everyone has to go through birth and everyone has to go through death. And depending on, I guess, how much life in juxtaposition of lifelessness you choose to indulge in within life is, uh, and how many risks you're willing to take might be, how many rebirths you're willing to, or you might run into in life. Or how many mm. baptisms you might run into in life.
1: I like that. I um,
0: like that
1: music.
0: Oh, sorry. Go ahead.
1: I said I like that.
0: Oh, thank you. You're a little. You got a little. Like mu- you, yeah, you got a little muted for a second. I I thought I was losing the connection, but you're clear now again. Um, all right. Well, I don't know. Do you guys. I don't even know what time we're at. But do you guys want to wrap wrap it up i know um it's like music is the host. i love i love uh oh but at the end of the episode i did actually really like how annie refers to god as mother god Ugh. um yep and the it's
2: like the shack
0: i do uh growing up with god being a masculine figure i have always liked when people make God a more feminine figure, which I'm not saying that God is either masculine or feminine or even exists, but there's just something that feels good about when people call God Mother God. It's kind of, you know, a <clears throat> mix of Mother Earth and Father God. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But Father Earth doesn't sound near as good as Mother God. <laughs> um, so, uh and then the episode ends with uh, the dog eating a little clown baby. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah. He doesn't
2: eat Does a clown baby. Is that mouth?
1: Well, well, Clancy throws it up and then he tosses yeah. it into Charlotte's yeah. belly.
2: Uh, yeah, Charlotte's belly.
0: But uh, yeah, the, but the term, of mo- the term mother god, I, f- I find it a very endearing term. Um, and so, yeah, maybe to close episode two up, what, what, how do you guys feel about the term Mother God rather than Father God, and kind of the fusing of Mother Earth with the concept of God, which I think is kind of what she's doing there.
1: I vibe with it.
2: Cheer. Fuse I them dig all it. Together.
1: Yeah. I mean, Kuzik, I'm with you too. I don't think there's like a. I don't think there's like a. This is what God is. He is a man or she is a woman or like I don't. That's beside the point but I do I don't know that kind of like what you were saying just the way that sounds it just like
0: yeah something kind of like
1: yeah I dig that
0: yeah mother god I don't know something about it sounds nice it does
1: seem I feel like it encapsulates the whole of a being I mean like I believe that we all have masculine and feminine energy within all of us whether we identify as a male or female or neither or both but I do think every living thing has both feminine and masculine energy within us so I feel like that name Mother God just like those two words together just encapsulates both of those energies in one being
0: yes like when uh, the idea of uh, an eclipse being a holy event because the sun was supposed to be masculine and the moon was feminine Mm -hmm. and when they they come together and make an eclipse it's this very interesting uh, event um but yeah the idea of the two becoming one I, re- I really like so yeah uh all right well caleb what do you think Sweet. about mother god and, no. and eclipse um, and eclipses
2: you know, I was just cool with growing up Anytime someone uh, told me something different about God uh, or even challenged my views on what I saw Him in my little picture Bible since I was two years old. As a big old white dude. With, with a long white beard. Long beard, yeah. I yeah. do think, I like the term mother because I think life when you know Mm. you're saying it creates a like mother earth and and then god or mother god because i think life in itself and mothers a lot of times since they with the process of birth are just like nurturing it nurtures life it it furthers life and so yeah um i a nurturing type of god type of creation yeah i'm cool with that
0: mother god mother god All all right well uh to to lot. your thank
1: you want
0: you to wanna sign us off? I'll sign us off. All right. To to your listeners, these sweet sweet listeners of Untitled Van Life Project. You Lark need to start Project. taking some
2: ownership here, dude. Yeah. Thank you. You
0: are thank, a listener, and I um, am a listener. <laughs> I am a listener. Although I'm not going to listen to the episodes that I'm in because I don't like the sound of my own voice. But uh, listeners, thank you for tuning in. Thank you, Mother God, for tuning in. She is here. She yeah, is it, tur- here. it turns she out. It turns out this whole podcast was actually a long prayer. And just as Mother Teresa said, prayer is not to change things, but it is to change the individual,
2: who will then change things. So
1: there you go. Caleb, boom. There's the quote. So Caleb, uh, the name.
2: I'm going to say Alex Cusick, Mother Teresa, because yeah. I heard you quote that earlier in the episode. <laughs> All right. I now I have a new nickname. I'm no longer Cusick. I am Mother Teresa. So.
0: Thank you, listeners. Um, And, uh, yeah, maybe if you listen to this and want to dip into some meditation, do it badly. Take some risks. Maybe talk (laughs) to Mother God. Maybe don't talk to Mother God. Uh, But, yeah, signing off, all of us. You guys want to say bye? We love you. Yes, we love you.
1: Peace out.
0: Peace.